Have your Bible, you can turn to Philemon 1. Read a couple verses there. Such an honor to be here. I want to give honor to Pastor for allowing me this opportunity. It was good to see Brother Michael up here. Y'all miss it at 9 o'clock. He's wilding out. You can tell he ain't touching Mike in a while. He's going crazy up here. But uh, it's all sincere. We give honor to my wife. We got a boy home with strep this week, so it's been an interesting week around our house, as you can imagine. And he is a mama's boy already, so it's times a thousand this week. So I ain't got to see mama very much at all. Philemon chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. If my voice sounds a little messed up, I preached Friday night, and I told myself I got to preach Sunday twice, so let me be careful, and I didn't. Then I told myself at 9 o'clock I need to leave a little in the tank, and I didn't. So I'm going to do my best, but if I cut it off, just randomly 10 minutes in, y'all just respond like I preached for an hour and just go with it. <laughs> I believe God's, if I make it through, God's, God's a miracle worker, and I believe that he is. So. so Philemon 1, 1 through 3 says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Philemon doesn't get much attention. It's written to a man named Philemon who was a house church pastor in Colossae. And he had a wife named Aphia, and Archippus was there with them. And it, the whole book was written concerning an indentured servant named Onesimus, that I'm not ever going to say his name again tonight, today. So I told y'all that's not really important what I'm preaching about, but I told y'all anyway. And apparently he was a servant and told him to treat him like a brother in the Lord. And I'm not really going to dive into that today, but what I want to focus on is one of the characters we mentioned in the beginning there. And it's a young man named Archippus. Everybody say Archippus. Who Paul called a fellow soldier. My title is going to make a lot more sense in a little bit, but stay with me. We're preaching today, dear fellow soldier, keep fighting. So right now, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your presence, for your spirit. Lord God, there's nobody like you. Lord God, there's nothing this world can offer that can compare to you. There's no power, principality that can come against us that would compare to you, Jesus. We're going to win this fight. Lord, we're going to win this thing. We're going to come out victorious. I pray you'll strengthen us today. Lord, help us to walk in power and authority. Jesus, help me to give this word the way you gave it. We give you glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Bible doesn't say too much about this guy, Archippus. He, uh, the setup of the book of Philemon gives the impression that he may have been Philemon's son. Some say that it just means he was an associate pastor serving alongside of him. But whatever the case, he only pops up one other time. We know that he was actively engaged in ministry there at Colossae. And so when Paul was greeting them, he calls Philemon a fellow worker, but he calls Archippus a fellow soldier. 
And this denotes that while Philemon was involved in the daily work of ministry, of pastoring a house church and doing the things that needed to be done, Archippus had encountered some of the same types of battles and situations that Paul had been in. He had been in probably some dangerous circumstances. He wasn't dismissive of Philemon's ministry, but he was just inferring Archippus's ministry is different. It's more like mine. He's been in some confrontation and been in some spiritual battles. And we know, especially at this point, Paul was about five years from when he would die. He was a legend of the faith already. He had been already beaten, stoned, and left for dead. He had been imprisoned many times already, among other things. He was writing his letters at this point in his ministry from a prison in Rome. And while he was doing this, he wanted Archippus to know that while you haven't endured all the things I've endured, we're in this fight together. We're in this thing together. You might not have the notoriety and the cachet that I have, but we are fellow soldiers. We're engaged in the same fight. Your ministry is recognized even if you don't feel like it. You might not have the skins on the wall that I have, but your ministry matters. And he said, well, your ministry may seem invisible to other people and other people might not recognize you. I see it. I see what you're doing. You're my fellow soldier. Archippus, just like anybody who hasn't been involved in any type of ministry whatsoever, no doubt it had some setbacks in his life. No doubt had some days that things didn't go the way he thought it all to go. There were some days that he was engaged in the spiritual fight that it just seemed to be a dud. No doubt there were some days that he tried his best and it just didn't go the way he wanted, but he's a soldier, so he fought on. There were some days that he gave it his best shot and they still walked away. There were some days that he tried his best but didn't get through, but he soldiered on because he's a soldier and that's what they do. He was engaged in a battle that could not be ignored and could not be put off because it was a battle for the soul of people. He was living with his hands gripping the sword of the Spirit. He was a soldier that lived with the breastplate of righteousness always on. He always girded up his truth, his loins with truth and was always wearing those shoes of the gospel of peace. The shield of faith never left his side and he always stayed ready to fight for the things of God because he's a soldier. Archippus was committed and surrendered to the work of God wherever it may take him. Whatever it may be, he wasn't a bystander. He wasn't sitting on the edge watching somebody else. He was involved in the fight. He was a fellow soldier. So with this in mind, I want to turn to the book of Colossians. On one particular day around A.D. 61, there was a group of leaders that gathered together and Archippus was likely one of those leaders in a room in Colossae to read a letter that Paul had sent to the church from, the, from a prison in Rome. They were gathered together. They were excited because they knew their church wasn't perfect and there were some things that Paul was going to address and deal with, but it was good to hear from the man that was leading their church or the man who had given them so much direction, who had been through so much. And they were all excited as the reader began to read the letter. These people, they're doing their best in the kingdom and Archippus is there. Maybe that day he was struggling to keep a smile on his face. Maybe there had been a setback that day. Maybe that had been a rough week and he had had some struggles that he hadn't dealt with in a while and maybe things weren't going just the way he wanted at his house church and maybe things were difficult, but he was a minister so he knew I've got to do my best to keep a smile on my face and act like everything's all right. So here's Archippus in this room and someone begins to read Paul's letter. This beautiful defense of truth was laid out. 
for the people. The letter was written to combat certain heresies that had made their way into the church. One of the issues that Paul impressed throughout the letter was the absolute deity of Christ. That Jesus Christ apparently had heard certain philosophies and ideas had started to take a, a, a foothold. There was a mix of mysticism and Greek philosophy that had tried to connect itself. That people had come into the church and tried to bring some of their old doctrines with them and old beliefs with them. And so Paul was challenging this and he challenged them not to be carried away by false doctrines. Even though I'm not there to keep you straight, please keep going in Colossians 2 and 4 through 7 it says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying in beholding your order, your steadfastness in the faith of, faith, faith of Christ. I'm getting it out. And ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. So walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. He says, so keep going. I'm not there, but keep fighting. Keep doing the thing to do. And then he reaffirmed that Jesus Christ was, was God in the flesh and not some lower deity, not some second person as the Roman and the Greek philosophers taught. He said, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He stressed that it was Christ and Christ alone that had set them free from their old sinful life. And they were buried with Christ in baptism. Told them your past has been blotted out. And Christ took it and nailed it to a cross. Is anybody glad that Christ did that? He said Jesus spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly triumphing over them, encouraging the church to keep going. The epistle indicates that there was some form of angel worship that was happening that needed to be addressed and as well as some elements of asceticism which centered on extreme self-discipline, not eating just to prove you could go without eating and hurting yourselves or enduring pain just to prove you could do it, which was never what God intended. They were embracing certain rituals that had come from the pagan world, and he said they need to let those things go. He went on and addressed their destructive behaviors, telling them to let go of immorality, let go of impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed. He said to call them to lay aside anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech. He said, don't lie to each other, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't lie to each other. He then challenged them to take up some good things. He said, be compassionate, be kind, be humble, be gentle, be patient with each other. He implored them, lift each other up and forgive them. He put a, a bow on that section by saying, put on some love and encourage each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He said, come to church and sing a little bit. Come together and sing a little bit. Uplift each other. Encourage each other. He dealt with relationships. Told wives, be subject to the husbands. And he said, wives, husbands, love your wives. Told the children, listen to their parents. And he told the fathers, don't make your kids mad for no reason. Because dads need to be told that from time to time. He told workers, work as unto the Lord with obedience and masters, treat your workers with respect. He dealt with all these things and he's wrapped up this instruction portion by speaking in general terms. He said, continue in prayer, devote yourselves to prayer. And he reminded them, be mission minded. When you talk to people, make sure you talk with, with gentle words because you want to reach those people one day. So they might not be part of the church, but don't just talk to them like dogs. One day you want to try to reach them and if you talk to them that way... They'll never come in. 
And so he's given all the instruction that he was going to give. And just as he always does, he was signing off with his normal greetings and recognitions. The reader of the letter was letting everyone know, hey, Aristarchus said hello. Read a little further. Justice did as well. Luke and Demas, they said hello. At this point, the reader's voice is starting to trail off because this isn't as important. And he, he said, well, when you finish the letter, you need to bring this to Laodicea and tell Nympha hello for me. At this point, everyone start, their chairs are starting to scratch across the ground as they're starting to stand up. And think about these powerful words that Paul had told them. Think about the things that Paul had dropped in their mind and, and, and tried to digest everything. Archippus was there among them, and he's thinking about all these things that Paul had said. Well, how is it going to affect his life? How is it going to affect their church? What are they going to do differently? How can I deal with all these things? And all of a sudden, the reader perked up. He said, is Archippus still in here? Archippus, are you still here? And this is the rest of my text. He said, Paul has a message for you in Colossians 4, 17. And it says, and say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. In that moment, everything that had been weighing on Archippus, all the struggles of the week, all the setbacks he had been going through, all the things that weren't going the right way suddenly begin to fade. And Paul might have just might as well have just wrote a letter that said, Dear Archippus, keep fighting. Dear Archippus, I know you've been going through some things, but whatever you do, see to it that you fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. Archippus, I know it's not profound. I know it's not deep. I know he didn't come and call his circumstances out by name. He didn't give him answers to all of his problems. He just said, Archippus, I know you've been going through it. Keep going. Archippus, I know it's not easy, but keep going. Archippus, I know you've got questions that you don't have answers to, but whatever you do, keep going. Archippus, I know you're weary, and I know you're a tired fellow soldier, but Archippus, keep fighting this good fight because this fight is worth it. And I didn't come with some deep word today. I just came to tell a fellow soldier, keep fighting. I came to tell a fellow soldier, I know you're weary, but keep going. I know that it's not easy, but keep fighting. I don't know what Archippus was called to do, but Paul made sure to include that in the message to make sure you do it. And Paul, a man of God who's sitting in a prison in Rome, he's a limited amount of space. He's got a limited amount of time he's got to write this thing. He's handwriting it. But right before he signed off, he said, oh yeah, let me tell Archippus, keep going. He said, let me tell Archippus, don't give up. Archippus, don't get weary. Archippus, don't get tired. Whatever it was, I don't know what it was that he had heard, but it was important enough that every single Christian who would pick up the book of Colossians for the rest of eternity would know, Archippus, whatever you're doing, don't stop doing it. Archippus, whatever you're fighting, keep fighting it. Archippus, whatever you're going through, don't let it stop your faith. Don't let it take you out. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. I don't know if Paul had heard he was struggling or maybe just had a hunch that things are getting difficult over there. But he said, Archippus, keep going. And some of you come in this place and you feel like you're not making a difference. But I came to tell you, see to it that you fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. Fellow soldier, I know you feel forgotten and you feel invisible and you feel inconsequential. But see that you fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. Fellow soldier, I know there's some headwinds that are working against you. But whatever you do, don't stop going forward. I know there's some things that you don't understand right now. And I know it might not make sense to you right now. But regardless of what you're facing, don't stop going. 
Archippus, I know you're tired. I know you're weary. Fellow soldier, I know it's not easy. But keep fighting this fight because this fight is worth it. You might think I'm talking to somebody else who said, well, I'm not called to preach. I'm not called to be a pastor. And you say, well, I'm just a saint on a pew. But everybody in this place has a ministry. As soon as Jesus fills you with the Spirit, you begin your ministry. Because as soon as that light flipped on, you were in a dark world. You were a flashlight for everybody around you. See, now everything that comes out of you is a reflection of the Spirit within you. Now every time you open your mouth at a grocery store, it's a ministry. Now everything you post on Facebook is a ministry. Now, when you speak life into somebody that's going through it, and you just give a little encouraging word to your neighbor and said, hey, you got this, that's a ministry because you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what kind of hell they had to fight to walk in these doors today. When you go to somebody and say, hey, you got this. I don't know what's going on, but I believe in you. When you tell somebody, I'm praying for you. I told her at 9 o'clock, a couple years ago, I was going through it, and it was a time in my life, it was right when I, was, I knew that I'm done with youth ministry. I was getting ready to make that transition last January. And so th- during that time, there was a lot of detachment. I was trying to detach from that, having to detach from different things. There were some dreams that I, was, I knew that, all right, that's not God's plan for my life. Let me detach from those things. But in the process, I'd kind of detached from, from reality to an extent. I, got, I was just kind of drifting along. I didn't really know what to do next and what to do, and it was affecting me. I, wasn't, I don't know if I was depressed, but I, I, was, I was drifting. And one January, Sister Betty Taylor comes up to me after prayer meeting. I put a smile on my face. Thought everything was, everybody thought everything was great. Probably had everybody in church fooled, but Sister Betty Taylor come to me and said, Hey, I'm praying, for you. I'm praying for your character. It's under attack, but I'm praying for you. And she has no idea what them words meant in that day because I was going through hell and hell was after me with everything it had. But there was a fellow soldier who said, hey, I know it might not be much, but I'm praying for you and I believe in you and you keep going. Fellow soldier, don't get tired. I know you want to give up, but don't get tired. Come on, somebody. The person next to you needs you. Fellow soldier, they need your ministry. They need your calling. They need your anointing. There's somebody in this place that might not make it without you. So whatever you do, keep going. There's some weary soldiers in here that have been thinking about putting down their sword that life hasn't done what they thought it ought to do and things have, have, have been difficult and the sword's been kind of sitting there collecting dust on the shelf. But somebody needs to pick that sword back up and knock the dust off of it and said, I know I put it down for a season, but I'm going to war again. I know I put it to the side for a season, but I'm not done fighting yet. I know I went through some hell and I, and I thought about giving up, but I'm not going to quit fighting because something in me is telling me keep fighting. I'm making a difference. This call to keep going is a common theme from Paul. Preaching to churches under persecution. As he was finishing up his letter to the Thessalonians, he was doing a little housekeeping again. And he was challenging them to take responsibility because verse 3 and verse 11 says, For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. He said, I heard about some people that are not working. They're just going around talking and gossiping and causing problems, getting caught up in the drama, not doing what they're supposed to be doing. 
And he's telling his people, hey, all, all, you need to stop worrying about other people. You need to go and you need to go back to your house. You need to eat your own bread. You need to stop gossiping and get out of everybody else's business. And he told them, amen. It's powerful. The sermon's over right there. And he told them, look, I heard about these people. They're causing problems. But he also had a word for everybody else. He said, but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. In Galatians, he added to that statement, for in due season you will reap if we faint not. He said, I realize that there's some people around you whose lifestyle is a distraction to you. He said, I realize there's some people around you that are making it very difficult on you right now. There's some people around you that are pulling at you and, and, and throwing confusion and chaos. And I'm aware that they're making it very, very hard to make the decision to live for God. He said, I'm going to tell them to act right. I'm going to tell them what they're supposed to do. But as for you, don't get weary in doing good. Don't get weary in well-doing. I, I know there's a lot of headwind. I know they're making it hard. But as for you, don't stop fighting this battle just because somebody else. Because if you'll hold on a little while longer. If you'll fight for a little while longer, if you'll keep going in the face of adversity, at some point victory is going to happen. You're not fighting for no reason. There's some of you feel, I feel this in the spirit, saying in my notes. I feel in the spirit. There's some of you, you feel like I'm wasting my time fighting. There is no light at the end of this tunnel. There is no harvest on this field. There is nothing that's going to come out of this. And the devil's been lying to you and telling you you're wasting your time. Telling you've been trying your best, but you're spinning your wheels. You're not actually going to do anything. And it doesn't matter how long you do this, how hard you try, nothing's going to come of this. But I came to tell somebody the devil is a liar. Because if we'll keep going, we're going to reap. If you keep going, you're going to reap. If you keep going, you're going to win this thing. At some point or another, I don't know how long it's going to take. It may be a week. It may be a month. It may be a year. But at some point along the way, something's going to break in your spirit. And you're going to see a victory in your life. Somebody receive that right now. Stand to your feet and receive that in the Lord. Come on, somebody. Somebody's faith needs to be rescued right now. It's not over till God says it's over. We're a victorious church. We're going to win this thing. Hallelujah, Jesus. You can be seated. I understand we're living in a world it's not conducive to living for God. I understand there's temptations everywhere you turn. Everywhere you go, I get there's distractions everywhere you go. This week, I, I was, like I said, I was preaching Friday night, and today I finally just turned Facebook off for a week and said, I, I just can't do it. I, I can't have the distraction. And it's really easy right now because there's so many things that are going on around us, but I want to challenge somebody. As difficult as it may be, don't get weary in your fight. Don't get caught up in the distraction of what everybody else is doing. Don't get caught up in the battle of what everybody else is doing. Don't allow yourself to get so focused on other people that you miss what God is wanting to do through you and in you. God's trying to work in your family, but if you're so busy looking at somebody else's family, frustrated about what's going on with them, you're going to miss what God is doing. If you put your sword down so long that you're watching somebody else, you're going to miss the victory that God has promised you. Look, I know. People around you are, are ignorant. Can I get an amen? I, people are ignorant. And we know that there's people that talk down to you. They wear you out. 
Say, why in the world are you going to church? Why are you living like that? Why do you do those things? Why, why are you making these changes? And they come at you and they're talking about you and they're, they're wearing you down. But don't get weary in well-doing. Archippus, I know it's frustrating. Archippus, I know you want to see more happening, but you're doing a good job. Archippus, you've come a lot further than you think you've come. Archippus, you might not see it, but if you'll look back at some of the victories you've won, you thought you've been wasting your time, but Archippus, you're making a difference. Archippus, you're changing some things around you. Archippus, I know you're tired, but, but you're doing more than you think you are. Fellow soldier, you're making a difference. Fellow soldier, your family is changing. You just don't see it yet. Fellow soldier, some things are happening in your life. Just hold on a little while longer and keep fighting. Mom and dad, I know you're trying to raise your kids in a crazy world that's lost its mind. But keep going and see to it that you fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. Come on, somebody. I know you've been going through it. I know you're trying your best. You're doing better than you think you are. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Weary soldier, keep fighting. Weary soldier, keep going and fulfilling what God has given you. Last couple of weeks, the adversary has been coming against my mind. Some old demons of, because pride shows itself in a lot of different ways, but pride and self-pity playing with my mind. And I'm sitting there, and the thing that kept going through my mind probably three different days, I went to sleep with it, woke up with it on my mind. The devil just saying, you're invisible. You're invisible. You're not making a difference. And I was having a pity party about where my ministry is not about complaining about the opportunities. I'm thankful for what I have, but I'm th- I was complaining in my mind about the opportunities that haven't happened, the doors that didn't open, the dreams that I had to just put aside and just never going to happen and look over the graveyard of lifelong dreams that just wasn't going to happen because God decided for whatever reason. And I was struggling. On Sunday night, I had a different message I was going to preach today. And I was laying in bed. I couldn't go to sleep. And so I pulled my Bible out. I was going to read. And normally you read a few verses or maybe a chapter and you start getting tired. I read the entire book of Colossians. And I'm sitting there and I'm just about to finish up. And two verses from the end, I read that verse. And it's like God spoke to me and said, William, see to it you fulfilled the ministry I've called you to do. William, I know you're going through it. I know know it's not what you think it ought to be. As I was getting ready before the 9 o'clock service, I was in the office. Or I was in, I was in the, the dream room. I was studying, going through it. And Brother Michael walked in right as I was on this page. Had it open, set it down. I just turned to this page. He walks in. He said, man, I'm proud of you. Come along. You're doing a long way. And he had no idea what I was going to say today. Had no idea where I was at in my message when I was reading it. But it came in right at the right time and said, hey, you know what? You're doing better than you think you are. I know you feel tired. I know you don't like it, what it looks like. But you're doing better than you think you are. I came to tell somebody you're doing a good job. You're making it. Don't get caught up in the comparison game. Don't look at somebody else's field and think you're supposed to look like that. You trust and do what God has called you to do. Archippus, I don't know how your ministry compares to anybody else's, but you just keep fighting the good fight. I know you feel like you're wasting your time and you feel like I could be doing something more impactful, but no, you're changing lives just by being a light in a dark and dying world. You're making a difference just by shining your light every day you go to school, every day you go on your job, every time you smile in a grocery store, you're shining a light to a dark and cold world. Philippians 3, 12 through 14 says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended 
of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth for the things that are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Notice that Paul didn't say, I stroll toward the mark. He didn't say, I take a leisure walk along my path to the mark. He said, I press toward the mark. Because Paul understood better than anybody that this road isn't always easy. That there's going to be some days where it feels great like a walk in the park. But there's going to be some other days when you feel like you're pushing through hell just to make it another step. There's going to be some days where you got to press with everything inside of you to get to the mark. You've got to press with everything in you because if I'm going to make it, i got to press through some trials. 2 Corinthians 4.13, Paul said, but we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist, how about David had, when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. He said, I believed in God, so I spoke. He said, I continued to preach because I had faith in God. He said, I went through some trials and I went through some things, but I continued on because David had faith, and if David can have faith, I can have faith. And Paul kept preaching because he believed like David did. He didn't preach because it was easy, but because his faith just overflowed out of his mouth and he couldn't help himself. He didn't proclaim the gospel because it was convenient, but it just poured out of him and he couldn't hold it back because he believed. When I first read that, I got excited. Man, I believed in God, so I can't keep my mouth shut. It's powerful. And so then I went and read exactly what David said. David said, what he was quoting, said, I believed in you, so I said, I am deeply troubled, Lord. Sounds a little different. But David, his faith said, even when I'm troubled, God hears me. Even when I'm going through hell, God hears me. Even when I'm going through it and I'm down and out, I have enough faith inside of me to cry out to God. I am troubled, Lord. I still believe I'm going through it. I know you gave me a promise, but I'm struggling right now. Anybody ever been troubled? You have a promise, but your faith is troubled. You have a word, but your life is in chaos. You have a word, and it's supposed to be one way, but your life looks nothing like you said it would look. See, my faith is real, but my trouble's real too. My faith is real, but this chaos in my family is real too. My faith is real, but this stuff going on in my life is real too. See, that word trouble means oppressed or depressed. They would say, I have a promise, but the adversary's oppressing me. I got a word from God. God spoke and I believed it with all I have. But I'm depressed right now. I'm feeling the weight right now. See, having faith doesn't mean that everything's easy. Having faith doesn't mean that everything just works out exactly the way you thought. Faith isn't some spiritual bulldozer that clears the path and makes everything easy. Faith is that rope that ties you through the fog to the promise and said, I can't see it, but my faith says it's still there. And as long as I got a hold on my faith, I'm going to make it. I don't know what it looks like between here and there, but I got to hold on to it. Faith don't mean you have, you don't, you're not going to have battles, but faith means you have a lifeline to the Lord of hosts. And it doesn't matter what you're going through, you're going to make it because faith says, God's fighting for me. That old song, Jesus on the main line, your faith is that, that connection to God. Say, so you know what, God, I don't see it, but my faith is my link to the supernatural. They've said, I believed in what God told me, so I let him know, God, it don't look like I thought it would. God, I believed, so I went to God and told him, I don't understand it, but I didn't give up. I believed, so I, so I told God, look, I'm worried about some things, but I didn't quit fighting. 
I, I believe, so I told God things aren't adding up, but I'm not going to throw in the towel because I believe what you said. And because David was able to, tell, to hold on and tell God I'm troubled, he was able to encourage Paul to keep preaching. And because Paul was able to hold on and keep preaching, he was able to tell Archippus, hey, keep fighting. Because David was able to hold on even through the trouble, he was able to keep Paul going thousands of years later. And then Paul was able to tell Archippus, you've got this. You're doing a good job. And I came to tell somebody, you've been through some storms, not so you can keep it to yourself, but because you need to tell your neighbor, you've got this. You're doing a good job. You're making it. Fellow soldier, I know you're troubled, but keep fighting. Fellow soldier, I know it's rough. You're frustrated, but keep going. See, there's a reason we can't give up right now. Mark 4, Jesus told a series of parables of what the kingdom of God is like. He was trying to give them a clear understanding of how, what it means to be part of the kingdom. He told the parable of the sower. He cast his seed to the wayside. He cast some seed on the stony ground, some in the thorny ground, and some in the good ground. And only the seed in the good ground really comes up. And he told the parable, he said that you don't light a candle and hide it under a basket, but you light a candle because you want to light the room. You want everybody to see it. That's what the kingdom of God is like. And told of the mustard seed, how it starts so small and insignificant, but when you plant it, it grows and turns into a tree that the birds can land on. And he's telling these things, this is what the kingdom of God is like. There's another parable slipped in there in Mark 4, 26. It says, and he was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. And when the crop permits, he immediately puts up the sickle because the harvest has come. Compared the kingdom of God to a man who throws the seed out. Doesn't really do a whole lot to it. He just throws it out and goes on to his normal life. He throws it out because he knows something's supposed to happen. And goes on. He don't really understand the biology of it. He don't understand the process of exactly how it grows. But he looks out one day and it's a little taller than it used to be. And he wakes up the next day and it's a little taller than it used to be. And then he goes out and suddenly it's starting to mature a little bit. And before you know it, it's time to to harvest this, this mature seed. And finally it says, when the crop permits, he immediately picks up the sickle and he goes to work for the harvest. See, the timing the timing of the harvest isn't determined by the farmer, it's determined by the field. It's not determined by the farmer. The farmer doesn't get to decide when it's ready. The field decides when it's ready. Harvest time isn't decided when we decide it's ready. It's, a, it's dictated by when the field says it's ready. See, I can't wait. I can't tell the harvest, hey, just wait till I'm engaged again. Just wait till this little problem I'm going through right now is over and I'll get back in the fight. I can't tell the harvest, hey, hold on a little bit longer. I'm not quite ready to get you yet. Can you wait a week? Can you wait a month? I'm in a valley right now. Can you wait? I have to be ready whenever the crop permits. Whenever the crop says it's time, I got to be ready. When the crop permits, it's time to do the work of God in your family and in your community. And I can't get caught up in my mother grubs now. I can't get caught up in my little problem right now. I can't get caught up in my pity party because there's a harvest that's ready right now. There's a harvest that's waiting right now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. But there's a harvest out there in our community. We're in revival. 
We're in a season of harvest. We're in a season of harvest. And the crop is calling out right now saying, is there a church that's ready to take up a sickle? I know you're tired. I know you're weary, fellow soldier. But please don't stop. Don't put down your sword. Don't put down the sickle. You're making a difference. Musicians can come. See, the adversary knows I can't take away your power, but I can't take away your desire to use it. He said, I can't make you do anything. He can't make you do anything, but he knows that I can't just make them really busy when the harvest is ready. I can't make them really distracted when the harvest is ready. I can make them really discouraged when the harvest is ready. I can make them not want to fight when the harvest is ready. And he wants you so caught up in your shortcomings. He wants you so caught up in your, in your problems. He wants you so caught up in your insecurities that you miss what God is doing. That you're not ready when God is ready. That you're not ready when God is ready to pour his spirit out. When I'm talking to somebody, you've been going through it. You're tired. You're weary. And the devil's been discouraging you. said, you're wasting your time. You'll never make, you're never going to have a harvest. You threw it out there. You don't know how it works. You hadn't done anything. What makes you think you're going to see a harvest? And he tells you, I don't know why you think you're going to fight. And the devil's been lying to you. And you said, you know what? Maybe you're right. Let me put down my sword for a little while. Let me put down my sword for a little while. And I'll wait a little bit longer. And maybe somebody else can do it. But I came to tell you, nobody else can get your harvest. Nobody else can get your harvest. Only you have the ability to get your harvest. You're the only one that can save your family. You're the only one that can make a difference in your community. You're the one. Go ahead and stand our feet right now. I know some of you came in this place with questions and uncertainties and, and things aren't happening the way you thought, but you're doing better than you think you are. I know you, things aren't adding up and things don't look the way you thought, but you've come a long, long way. You've come through a lot of battles. You've come through a lot of valleys. You've climbed over a lot of mountains. There's a lot of things that there's some people that are still struggling with that you've already come through. There's some people that would have given up to get to where you are right now. I told them 9 o'clock. I look at my ministry, my life. I was telling somebody a couple weeks ago that I look at all the hell that we've gone through, all the battles we've come through, all the trials that I wouldn't wish on anybody discouragement, the pain. And I look and I say, you know what? There is no temptation at this point in my life that somebody could throw to me and make me throw everything that God has brought me through away. I've come too far to turn around now. I've come through too much to turn around now. I've come through too much to throw in the towel now. And I want to encourage somebody. You've come farther than you think. And you've come through too much to go back now. You've come through too many trials. Yeah, you stumbled along the way. Yeah, you failed along the way. But you've come so far. You can't throw that away now. You've come through too much. God's carried you through too many trials. God has carried you through too many things for you to throw the towel in now. Fellow soldier, keep fighting. Fellow soldier, keep going. Whatever you do, keep going. Close your eyes for a moment. Let's entertain the presence of God in here. God, I don't understand why we have to face the trials we face, but I thank God that you've been there through it all. But I thank you so much that you've been through every storm with me. You never left me alone. Even when I didn't see you, you were working. God, you were there through every trial. You were there through every stumble. You were there through, there through every fall. 
God, you've been faithful to me. And if you've been faithful to me, God, I'll fight for you with everything that I have. God, you've been too good for me. You've been too good to me for me to let it all go now. You've been too good for me to stop fighting. Come on, somebody. There's a harvest that needs you. There's a harvest that's crying out for you right now. There's a harvest that's crying out for your sickle. It's crying out for your sword. It's calling out for your calling and your ministry and your purpose. See to it that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. We're going down.